Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And today, I want to do something kind of fun. I've gone there a bit before, a bit, but I want to go there again and do the entire podcast on comping the Cubs 2014 pipeline. To the Cubs 2022 pipeline. Back in 2014, there were a handful of us that were paying attention to the Cubs minor league system more than the parent club, or equally to. You know, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. If it's a Thursday night and you're a Cubs baseball fan and the Cubs aren't playing on Thursday. Sometimes people will. Well, I might as well check in on one of those minor league teams because I've heard I'm supposed to. So I go check a game out on radio. And, okay, you know, probably learn something. Um, for some people, it would be hideously torturous because they don't know all of the players already and they'd have to, like, learn some stuff and they're... Uh, they have an anathema to learning things and they hate it because they don't already know all of the players and it's horrible. Uh, uh, but no, for some people back in 2014, it's fun to pop in on the Cubs pipeline. 2014, Chris Bryant was in double A. Javier Baez was in triple A. Jorge Soler was in double A, then triple A. Eventually, Bryant moved up to triple A. Addison Russell was in double A, then triple A. There's a whole lot of upper minor leagues kind of stuff that year. Whole lot of minor leagues, uh, upper minor league stuff. Kyle Schwarber was drafted in 2014. And quickly, very quickly, went from Eugene to Kane County to Daytona. So he made the quick jump three levels real quick. And you could tell listening to Kyle Schwarber in low A ball or advanced A ball, either one. Yeah, this guy's got something going on. Um, and the Cubs pipeline started to whir. And a couple things should have been apparent, but I wasn't, um, my eyes were half shut. I'll say it that way. My eyes were half shut. I didn't know what I was looking for yet. I was quite new to paying attention to the minor leagues, and I'd never had anything like that before where the Cubs all of a sudden were the buzz of the entire prospect universe. Albert Elmora was in there. Um, I really can't remember any pictures being mentioned. And that, that's a very valid piece of the concern from back then. There just weren't many pictures. There just weren't many pictures. In 2014, I was popping from offensive half inning to offensive half inning. I was paying attention to, okay, who's due up this half inning for Daytona? Who's due up this half inning for Eugene, who's due up this half? Oh, Bryant's due half this half inning. 
I'm going to listen to his at bat. And then, you know, after that, okay, now I'm going to pop over. I'm going to listen to Schwarber's at bat because I want to hear him swing. It was very much hitter heavy. And a lot of it, a lot of it in 2014 was tending toward the upper minor leagues. Again, you throw in Albert Almora, you throw in Edison Russell, you throw in KB, you throw in Wilson Contreras, who was starting to get things done. Um, yeah, it was starting to, it was starting to get really fun. But it was largely hitter-based. And also, it was very top-heavy. So much, so much of the Cubs' prospect value back in 2014 was the guys at the absolute peak top. You had Bryant, Baez, Solaire, Almora was in there, Russell was in there, Schwarber was in there. Those six guys, those six guys were an enormous amount of the value the Cubs had in their pipeline. Not all of it, not all of it, but an enormous part, especially, especially once Kyle Hendricks uh, snuck onto the roster in July and no longer was a prospect. Um, it was almost all the peak, the, the very top, and it was almost all hitting. This is me, Tim, talking in 2022, thinking back to 20, 2014, which was the peak of the previous Cubs prospect run. And boy, that was so much fun because it, you were not going a night without somebody having some sort of an amazing outing. Somebody was doing something. So now let's comp 2022 to 2014. First off, there's a whole lot more system depth. whole lot more. I was noticing, uh, somebody was talking about last night's South Bend no-hitter. South Bend threw a no-hitter last night. They had a podcast on the entire night, including some on that. And last night, South Bend threw a no-hitter. And Alexander Vizcaino pitched the first two innings for South Bend. Today on MLB, MILB.com, correction, MILB.com, they generally do it a couple of articles per night on somebody who's doing rather well in the pipeline. Most Organizations have a person that turns in an article every couple weeks, maybe every week, on somebody in their pipeline who's doing well. And when there is a milestone kind of a game, somebody hits three home runs, team pitches a no-hitter, anything along those lines, 
team team wins 25 to 2 you know whatever it is there will be an article on that game and it will get a bit of national milb coverage and overnight the south bend article was on the no hitter specifically alexander vizcaino i'm gonna interrupt myself because uh I get back to Alexander Vizcaino, but um, something I was noticing as I was for a walk today, figuring out a podcast call-in question for someone else's podcast, and uh, as assessing how, I've talked about how trades are best assessed if they're assessed regularly. You look at it when it happens. And you look at it about two or three weeks later. Then you look at it about two or three months later. Then you look at it about five or six months after that. Then you look at it about... You're looking at it regularly. Knowing where you started. And assessing, was the information I started with correct? Oh, I thought that guy was going to have a better fastball than he does. Etc, etc, etc. I thought this hitter that was going to be developing, I thought he was going to have a better hit tool. He's not hitting very well. I wasn't given good information. Where's the problem? Must fix that the next time around. That kind of stuff. So I was looking back at some of the trades the Cubs made over the trade deadline. For instance... Uh, in the Chris Bryant trade, the Cubs received pitcher Caleb Killian and outfielder Alexander Canario. Alexander Canario last night did not get a hit. That was the first time in the Cubs system he did not get a hit. He had a 10-game hitting streak and four home runs over his first 10 games. Kind of cool. Four games in a row with a home run. Kind of long home runs, all of them. Not much of a doubt on any of them. Okay, so uh, Killian, Caleb Killian, and Alexander Canario. Now, they had the article on the South Bend game, South Bend no-hit game. They're talking about how Alexander Vizcaino pitched the first two innings. Uh, Cubs also received Kevin Alcantara, who seems to be the bigger get of the two. Long-term, really not bad for two and a half months of Anthony Rizzo. Long-term, short-term, very unpopular. So uh, the Cubs got Alexander Vizcaino and Kevin Alcantara. And I was thinking about the um, Mets trade. Cubs traded Trevor Williams and Javier Baez to the Mets and got Pete Crow Armstrong. thinking, you know, I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised they got... They got Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian. They got Alexander Vizcaino and Kevin Alcantara. I'm surprised with the Mets trade they didn't get Alexander Ramirez, who is an outfielder in the Mets system. Because then they could, you know, the, the great Alexanders or something like that. You know, the, the, it would be a great nickname for all three of them. You know, you trade the three franchise guys and you get a Alexander the Great for all of them. You know, it, it'd, it'd be really, uh, hey, I, I, I didn't call into the podcast with that question. Or I didn't even form it into a question. But, 
Get, getting the two teams having an Alexander and the one guy that I was actually researching that I was paying attention to and half expecting him to get was also named Alexander, but they didn't get him. They got the two Alexanders I didn't know, but they didn't get the Alexander I did know about. Okay, so Alexander Vizcaino on the ML, MILB.com, they were referencing the MLB.com prospect rankings, and Vizcaino is ranked eight. I'm thinking there's no way. There's absolutely no way Alexander Vizcaino should be eighth in the Cubs pipeline. He's not, he's second of the two guys they got from the Yankees. Alexander Vizcaino is not better than Kevin Alcantara as a prospect. Alexander Vizcaino is not better than Reggie Preciado. Alexander Vizcaino is not better than Brennan Davis as a prospect. There's a whole heap of guys in the Cubs prospect pool that are not better than Alexander Vizcaino. Alexander Vizcaino is a perfectly good get. He is a perfectly reasonable get for the Anthony Rizzo trade. I can understand why the Yankees a bit up against a 40-man roster crunch would have been willing to include Alexander Vizcaino because as long as the Yankees were going to keep Vizcaino, he was going to cost them a 40-man roster spot. And they really didn't want to DFA him because they wouldn't have gotten him through waivers. Somebody would have claimed him. The Cubs would have claimed him. So I can see why the Yankees traded Vizcaino. But Vizcaino is not among the Cubs' top eight prospects. I hope he makes it to the major leagues. But until he's getting out hit, until a pitcher is getting hitters in double A out, until a pitcher in the minor leagues is getting out double A hitters, he's probably not as good as pitchers who already have been getting out double-A hitters. Caleb Eckert, reliever, probably not going to be a major stud at the major league level, but he's already getting out double-A hitters. Ethan Roberts got out double-A hitters, moved up to triple-A. Ethan Roberts right now is better than Alexander Vizcaino. And Alexander Vizcaino is the eighth best prospect in the Cubs system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know prospect lists aren't necessarily about who's the best right now and who's most ready, but Vizcaino's not going to be a starter. He's not going to be a starter. Alexander Vizcaino's not going to be a starter. Anderson Espinosa is not going to be a starter. These pitchers who completely smack of He's going to be able to come out of the bullpen, throw 97, 98, 99 with one off-speed pitch and throw you 15, 20 pitches, then hook him. That's who they are. That's who they are. And that can be very useful. That can be very useful, but it's not eighth best prospect in a really deep talent pool. 20 14 was almost entirely about offense and who's coming up next and who's going to hit the next 415-foot home run fly ball. That's what 2014 was about, and it was bonkers 
because somebody keep doing it. It wasn't that somebody hit one, then somebody else hit one. Somebody would be hitting a home run, and you'd be responding back to, yeah, that home run they hit tonight in the seventh inning was pretty cool. It's like, no, 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 no. He just hit one now. This was his second home run tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that because I was listening to Schwarber hit a home run, and that was what it was. Guys were hitting home runs within 30 seconds of each other between the four different teams. It was absolutely hilarious, and it really pissed off Chicago Cub-only fans because the Chicago Cubs team was terrible, and all the people who were following the Cubs minor leagues were absolutely laughing and giddy and high-fiving each other online and all that because, hey, look at all this talent we're following. It was very top-heavy, very top-heavy, and it was very offense-only. 2022 is nothing like 2014. 2013, once all of the players who are currently in Mesa or higher are probably back again doing the exact same thing next year in full-season ball, then it starts to get interesting. Then it starts to get very interesting. When instead of Myrtle Beach having a whole bunch of kids who last year weren't playing because of 2020 and COVID-19 and all that kind of stuff, next year, the kids playing in Myrtle Beach will be the guys who were shredding the out of the Arizona League. Guys in South Bend, are going to be guys who were in Myrtle Beach, but you also get to add in Pete Crow Armstrong. Double A, Alexander Canario, baby. Alexander Canario. Plugging a couple guys more. Triple A, irrespective of if there's a work stoppage or not. I think uh, Chase Strumpf will eventually figure things out. They've got him playing a bunch of third base, so he's trying to deal with learning a new position and all that kind of stuff. And double-A pitching is hard to hit. He's starting to figure it out. He's starting to figure it out. But next year, whether there is a work stoppage or not, you're going to have Brennan Davis. You're going to have Chase Strumpf. You're going to have guys at every level who are a threat. Now you toss in. Christian, Christian Hernandez, who's currently in the Dominican League, move him up to Mesa, plug in a couple more guys from the draft from Mesa. James Triantos, he'll probably be in Myrtle Beach hitting the heck out of the ball. And before long, what you end up seeing back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, the concept was the Cubs will be successful if they have waves and waves of talent. They had one wave of talent that was incredible. Basically, over a one-year stretch, over a one-year stretch, the Cubs had Soler, Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, and Schwarber. All hit the major leagues. Five guys, all in 12 Months. All in 12 months. Throw on top of that, Wilson Contreras, 
who was shortly thereafter. And the Cubs had one monstrous wave. And not really a whole lot after. They were really good because they had the one really big wave and they struggled because they didn't have anything after. Now the key, now the key for the Cubs is to have constant waves. You'll have Brennan Davis show up. You already have Greg Dykeman. Greg Dykeman, I don't know if you're a Greg Dykeman fan or not. I don't know how he's going to do as far as a major league player, blah, 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 whatever. He sounds like he has a good enough bat, especially against left uh, against right-handers. He should be usable in right field. And uh, you have Dykeman, you have Rafael Ortega, who the team's going to have control of forever. You're going to have Patrick Wisdom, who the team is going to have control of forever. And that's basically your starting point, which isn't really necessarily a whole lot. Then you throw in uh, Nick Madrigal. You throw in um, Nico Horner. Whatever the Cubs end up doing with Wilson Contreras and Kyle Hendricks. I'm not going to claim to know what the team is going to do with either one. Some people are, oh, they're definitely going to extend this guy or that guy or the I don't know what they're going to do. But with those two, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And the goal is you start with Dykeman. You have uh, Ortega for a while. You have Wisdom for a while. You have Horner for a while. You have uh, Madrigal for a while. And you start piecing things together. And next year, Alexander Canario starts to do things. And Pete Crow Armstrong starts to do things. And hopefully, Johindrik Pinango starts to, continues to do some things. And uh, Ed Howard perhaps figures out hitting better um, his second time around as a professional. Then you start having Owen Casey show up and doing things. And Reggie Preciado and Ismael Mena. And then you have Christian Hernandez behind them. And you just have a constant barrage of this guy's going to show up, then this guy's going to show up, then this guy's going to show up, and this guy's going to show up. You have eight or nine, ten or eleven other guys that if they're not playing to the level of the guys that they're competing with, then they get traded as perfectly usable trade pieces because they haven't really been exposed yet. Then you toss in, hopefully, pitchers. Adber Elzele figuring it out, sticking around. Justin Steele figuring it out, sticking around. Keegan Thompson figuring it out, sticking around. Braylon Marquez figuring it out, sticking around. Then you have some of the pitchers who are in advanced A or double A. Caleb Killian advance, uh, advancing, figuring it out, sticking around. And then at some point, you start having most of the basics figured. You have the essentials kind of well under control. James Triantos has gotten to a point where, okay, we expect him to do this or that or the other thing. Preciado, is he a shortstop? Is he a third baseman? Uh, Kevin Made, what's he going to be end up doing? And you just, just all sorts of these different guys. What's Bryce Ball going to do? Start piecing things together. Your um, pipeline starts developing better hitters, better pitchers. And then at some point, 
you get to start assessing where are the actual needs for the team. You don't figure that out today, August of 2021. Yeah, we need to figure out right now who's going to be the center fielder for the next eight years. No, you don't. You don't need to figure that out right now. For right now, you have Rafael Ortega. He's perfectly fine for a team that's going to win 23% of the games the rest of the year. All things considered, that's what the team's going to do. You know, what are they, 23, 28% of the wins, maybe 31% of the games the rest of the way? They're not going to win a lot of games. They're just not. It's not going to happen. So for the rest of the year, you assess what you have. And then look forward to next year and next year. And see how guys like Kevin Alcantara are doing. See how guys like Owen Casey are doing. Is Alexander Canario going to be a stone-cold beast at the major league level? If he's going to be a right fielder at the next level that you don't have to worry about, well, I guess Greg Dykeman can uh, be a really good left-handed pinch hitter, or he can get traded to a team that really wants a right, right fielder at some point. You assess what you have, grow things, take full advantage of all the at-bats that are available in the minor leagues, let people play, let people get better, let people learn stuff, figure out who's any good. If Alexander Vizcaino ends up even being remotely close, remotely close to the eighth best prospect in the Cubs' current minor league system, He's going to be really good. He's your eighth inning guy. Who's your ninth inning guy? I don't know. Uh, maybe it'll be Rowan Wick. Maybe it'll be Ben Leeper. I don't know who it'll be. You take advantage of the available time. Use the players in AAA at the major league level. Make the assessments. Make the decisions. And see how it goes. 2014 and 2012, or 2014 and 2022 are not really directly comparable. Too often in 2014, the offenses at all the levels were just absolutely mauling the ball with a severe bias toward the high-end hitters doing most of the damage. There have been a lot of games this season where the teams get shut down. Teams get shut down, or at least severely limited. A couple nights ago, it was, what, uh, two to one South Bend leading to the, or two to one, three to two, till, till the ninth inning when Alexander Canario hit one about 700 feet. And South Bend ended up winning, what, five to two, something like that. Um, Canario had a late three-run homer to put it away. But um, it's not this year. This year is not the year that's going to be particularly fun for the pipeline. That will be next year when more of the interesting players are getting more of the interesting at-bats against full-season opponents. You give me a full year with Reggie Preciado playing five games a week, with 
Owen Casey playing five games a week with Pete Crow Armstrong playing five games a week with Reggie Preciado playing five games a week with Brennan Davis playing five games a week Chase Strumpf playing five games a week you give me that even if there's no major league games even if there's no major league games those minor league games those are going to be fun those are going to be really fun. And unlike, unlike, unlike 2014. Unlike 2014, there should also be a bit of pitching. So you can tune in, pick a game. Pick your game. Who do you want? Myrtle Beach? Fine. South Bend? Fine. Tennessee? Fine. Iowa? Fine. Doesn't matter. Pick a game. You should have a quality starting pitcher. You should have two or three bats that are must-watch. 2014, especially July and August, were absolutely bonkers in the Cubs pipeline. 2022? That'll be interesting. That'll be really interesting from stem to stern. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to others. And definitely consider over the weekend picking at least one minor league game to listen to.